0: It'll be good to be home. I'm excited. So yeah, we were in Wales with uh, 22 Zioners, and so, including all five bakers, which was my favorite part, having all my kids there. And so, uh, Wales, what a lovely country. I tell you what, they are just amazing people there. Uh, their accents, I understood about half of what they were saying. So they were, but there's just something about that land there. I, I, there's just such a, a spirit of intercession on there. I just wanted to weep the whole time I was there. I don't even know why. There was just something so deep going on there. And uh, just lovely people, and when they like we went to a church service, they don't just like sing, they like sing with all of their guts, like they're singing as if like their life's depending on getting this note out, and it just is really moving. I mean it's just like uh I don't know, it's just we, we could learn something from every culture and the Welsh, they sure carry that uh that 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 spirit is really good. And it seemed like all of them, they just carry a lot of joy. Like they're all, they all have a sense of humor. Like every person from the store attendant, they're all like making jokes and like ready to party like at any minute. And so uh, it was just a wonderful trip. We went and uh, we kind of hit a lot of the revival history and just wonderful, wonderful things. We found out of one of the first schools of supernatural ministry, we went to that site. It was started in, I think, uh, the 400s. And, yeah, and so we, it, was this, it was the uh, birthplace of Celtic Christianity, so we stood in uh I let me know what that fifteen hundred year old church there, and um, maybe you saw me with that golden eagle pulpit I was threatening to bring back from there on, on Facebook, and so that was at that at that site there. But it was amazing. So the, I think the guy's name was Saint Iticus. I think I think that might have been his name who started the school there, and he is the person who Sir Galahad, the Legend of Arthur, was based on. He was a warrior priest. This guy, so he gets out of the military and just uh, he starts this this move there. And St. David, St. Samson, and St. Patrick all came out of the school of ministry. They had 3,000 monks training there. And these people went all over uh, the modern world and revolutionized the world. I'm thinking, what the heck was going on at this school of ministry? That like, that level of people, I mean, St. David shook the entire nation of Wales. St. Patrick shook the entire nation of Ireland. I mean, so, through signs and wonders. And it's interesting, as we go to these different sites, here's how towns were built in Wales. A saint moved out there had miracles happening around him, and people would move to be around the presence of God, and that's how a town started. Isn't that amazing? So, like, like instead of planting a church, they'd go plant a t- whole town, which just uh, through signs and wonders. And I thought, boy, there's something there. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, it was good. And um, I, I probably shouldn't say it. I, there, yeah. <laughs> I may have accidentally taken a stone from Evan Roberts' grave. Okay, there we go. So... <laughs> I was feeling kind of bad, and I sent something to the guy. He said, "Go get you one." I was like, "All right, there we go." So, I don't believe it has any magical powers. Oh, my water! Thank you, thank you. Some people have um, armor bearers. We got water bearers here, so thank you very much. We we like to start them, you know. I'm working on something. Kidding, kidding, kidding. You know, I feel like we need to we need to pray for something here real quick. So I, I just remember this. So sorry. Um, there was a word of knowledge given, and it was about somebody who has suicidal thoughts and you also, uh, and or um, thoughts that are making you think that you're crazy. It feels like the thoughts are coming from yourself, and you're kind of going crazy. And so if we could just, like, as a congregation, let's just take authority over the atmosphere. And whoever that is, we don't need you to identify yourself, but just, just receive this prayer because Jesus paid for you to be free from this, okay? And so, uh, Zioners, you know what to do. Jesus, we love you. We take authority over this tormenting spirit in the name of Jesus, and we command it to leave this person alone. We break that chaos off of your mind, and we just speak the shalom that cancels chaos, the peace that cancels chaos in the name of Jesus. Be free. Be free in the name of Jesus. If that was you and you would like some extra prayer, we'll have prayer at the end of the service, and so we're expecting God to do good things. Speaking of good things, so a couple nights ago, I had a dream, and in the dream, somebody was diagnosed with cancer, and then uh, when they went and got surgery, they found out the person was cancer-free. I'm like, well, that's a pretty cool dream. Um, yesterday, I get a call from Ty Kramer, and he tells me there was this person who uh, was in his life that was diagnosed with cancer. They had had it before, and uh, now they were uh, diagnosed with it again with two different kinds of cancer. He prayed for them, and then when they went, and got, uh, su- went to get surgery, uh, they had no cancer, Isn't that awesome? So, yay, God. That's just good. Remember, miracles teach us how to see, and so we need to feast on these things and just, uh, you know, not just emotionally, like, cheer them on, but I want them to actually change the way that we see situations. Sound good? All right. So if you turn to your Bibles, we're going to start with Matthew chapter 4. You know, I've been preaching from the iPad for so long. I brought my Bible. It just feels... Just feels good. I missed it, and so I mean, not that I missed. Okay, I said that wrong. It's not that I haven't seen it. I just haven't preached in it for a while. All right, so there we go. So I want to talk about um, who in our culture is really well off. Who's the person that's living the good life in, in our culture? And I think if you were to, you know, look at like TV ads and magazine ads, they would say, you know, the person, you know, who just has a life of leisure. You know, they're sitting on the beach, sipping cool drinks, and the biggest thing they're working on is making sure their tan is even, right? Um, you know, if you, the advertisers it's like if you wear this brand of clothes, if you have enough toys or this kind of car or you wear this kind of cologne, women are just going to faint as you walk by them and these type of things. The cologne ads are getting out of control, by the way. I like, as soon as I see them, I'm like, forward. And so um, uh, Kanye, rap, uh, Kanye West, uh, the rapper and uh, theologian, no, he's not a theologian. Uh, his chart-topping song, The Good Life, he would have you believe it. It's all about exotic cars, fame, girls, money, and fornication. And so today I want to look at what does the Bible say is the good life? Who is the person that's living the good life or the blessed life according to Jesus? And so um, the Bible's word for this is blessed, okay, the word blessed. And so it's interesting, the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he starts off with blessed are, and he names a whole bunch of people that are in some odd conditions that you think, this doesn't really sound like something I'd want to be blessed by. So we turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Before we look at who's blessed, I want, to, I want you to see who Jesus was talking to. Okay, Matthew chapter four seventeen. I'll be reading from my Bible and not my iPad. Here we go, no magic tricks here, right from the Bible. All right, here we go. Um, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Notice this was the message Jesus preached. He didn't say, "Every head bow, every eye closed, no one looking around." Repeat this prayer after me. He didn't say, "If you repeat this prayer after me, you can get into heaven when you die." He's actually trying to get people into heaven before they die. He's actually trying to get them into a realm called the kingdom of heaven. And it's interesting. Here was the one message Jesus had, is that the kingdom of heaven is available. Now, they recognize from the book of Daniel that the kingdom of God was from everlasting to everlasting. Am I talking too fast here? Okay. All right. So I was in Wales, I had to learn how to talk slower, like in Uganda, it's horrible, I gotta look, turn it So I can talk like an auctioneer up here, auctioneer up here. okay. And so they, they, there was nothing new about the message of the kingdom of God, the Jews understood this. What was new now was that there was a, the availability of it to any person who would come through Jesus, and he's announcing it, it's, it's at hand, it's within reach. If you remember that Old Testament story of uh, Jacob, I think it's Genesis 20, you guys remember Jacob, his name means deceiver, that's kind of a downer, like, like you know, Uh, Hey, this is my my son, Trickster. You know, like, what? Like, I don't know if I want to be friends with that guy. And so Jacob, he tricks his brother Esau out of his inheritance, so he lives up to his name. And so be careful what you name your kids, right? They just might live up to it. Or uh, that could be a good thing, depending on what you name. So he tricks his brother Esau out of his inheritance, and now he's on the run, and he finds himself, uh, you know, hiding from his brother, running for his life. And he uh, he stops at this place called Bethel, and he uh, takes a nap on a rock. I don't know why he puts his head on on the rock. Like the Bible includes that thing. There's probably some amazing uh, prophetic significance that I don't know. And so. It's interesting, and as, he, as he's laying on this rock, he has this encounter with the Lord, and he makes this, uh, he makes this statement. He says, um, this is the gateway to heaven. God was in this place, and I did not know it. So here's the vision that he had. Is there, was this, there was like this ladder, and it became known as Jacob's Ladder. So he's laying there, and he sees this ladder, and there's angels ascending and descending upon this place. And it's interesting, Jesus picks this up, and Jesus basically says, when you've got me in your life, you become a Jacob's Ladder you become a gateway of heaven where you can have supernatural activity in your life. So I want you to get this. This was part of Jesus' message is that you don't have to go somewhere special to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's wherever you are right now. That's the good news of the kingdom. Now, I understand like the you know there's different revival spots and God breaks out in things and If we learn anything from the Christmas message, wise men are always willing to travel to find Jesus, okay? And so um, I I love doing that. We we just went to Wales, you know, just just to honor some of those spots and see what God was doing. But you need to recognize this. You don't need to go somewhere special to find God. The good news is that when you've, you have entered the kingdom of heaven and it's within reach, it's at hand. It's as close as the air that you breathe. You don't need to work up some kind of cantation and do some kind of thing. You just need to lift your eyes up and recognize it and you begin to enter into that reality that's already there. Like when we ask for the, you know, sometimes you'll hear people open up in pray, Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Um, well, he's already here. He's everywhere, right? And so we're just asking, we're raising our awareness level so that we can experience another dimension of what's already there. Are we good? This is all going to tie in here, okay? Because um, unless you, it's not good news if you don't understand that no matter where you are and no matter who you are, the kingdom of heaven is available to you. It's not just for a special group of people. You're about to see who Jesus is talking to, Matthew 4, 23. And he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What's the gospel of the kingdom? It's the good news that the kingdom of God, his presence and power, is available to ordinary people through the person of Jesus. That's the good news. Uh, And healing every disease and every affliction. So Jesus talked about it, he proclaimed it, and then he demonstrated the reality of heaven's nearness by overwhelming every earthly problem, like, like these diseases. So his fame, verse 24, so his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Chapter 5, verse 1, and great crowds followed him from Galilee, I'm sorry, we're in verse 25, and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain and he sat down, his disciples came to them. You notice verse 25 talks about crowds. Verse uh, 5-1 talks about crowds. I want you to see, who are the people? Jesus is getting ready in the next verse to deliver the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the most famous sermon that's ever, that's ever been. Jesus gives a synopsis of this is what life in the kingdom is all about. And I want you to see, who is the people Jesus is talking to? It's the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics. Now, this is not like a list of the who's who that the world thinks is blessed. Like, this would be like, these people are unblessed. Like, no, no, they, you know, we've got a whole different list of what we think is the good life. Jesus is about to announce, announce to these misfits, to the people that nobody thinks is blessable, some very, very good news. And as I'm getting ready to say this, I just want to give credit um, to Dallas Willard. He's probably in my top two favorite authors. Uh, Bill Johnson's the other one. And, some, and Charlie Coker, <clears throat> and so since he's here. And... Um, <laughs> And so, uh, it just he's really shaped my understanding of uh, of the kingdom of God and uh, in this passage. So, it's just always good to give give credit on that thing. So, Matthew chapter five, verse two. So that was all preliminary. You guys see where we're going? Kingdom of God. It's available. These people, they're messed up. Okay, they're about. Okay, here we go. Um, Matthew chapter five, verses two through twelve, the Beatitudes. I want you to, as we're getting ready to read these, I want you to recognize this is not eight steps to a happy life. He's not giving you eight conditions that you must now do if you're going to experience blessing. These are eight conditions of people that nobody thought was blessed. And he's saying even in spite of that good news is they can enter into the kingdom. Nothing can stop them from living the blessed life, the life in the kingdom of God. Okay, here we go. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, "'Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. "'Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. "'Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth.'" I remember, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but do you guys remember that uh, Nike commercial with Charles Barkley where they quoted that verse? He said, The meek may inherit the earth, but they won't get the ball. I like that one, so. (laughs) Verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, the, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think a lot of times uh, the, the way that I kind of grew up hearing this is like, these are the be attitudes. You need to have these attitudes. You need to try to be like this. If you want to enter into the blessed life, then you need to have these kinds of attitudes. And so I, I kind of thought, man, I guess I got to, I, I would read these things and I thought, I don't even really want to be that kind of person. Like, like blessed are the person who mourns. Like, like I'm not, I am not like, like walk around with a downcast face. I'm kind of like, you know, ready with a sarcastic comment and like make, make you laugh type of thing. So like, I'm reading, you know, I would read these things and I'm like, I don't even want to be that kind of person. Like, like mourning all the time and persecuted, like, uh, no thanks. Like, I, I'd rather people like me. And so Jesus is speaking to a group of people who they're the ones on this list. They're, they're in the crowds. They're the ones who are spiritually bankrupt. They're the ones who are sad. And so the first on the list, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who have nothing going on for them spiritually. They're spiritually bankrupt. Are you guys saying the blessing's not in the condition? Oh, it's so good to be a spiritual Zero. The blessing is in the fact that even though you're in this condition, the kingdom of God is available to you. You guys, you don't understand the good news of the kingdom of God unless you understand that you can walk up to anybody, and no matter what circumstance of the, of the world's view of a good life or the world's view of you are unblessed. You are like you are in a terrible, unblessable condition. Like That is the worst condition. Unless you understand the kingdom of God, then if you do understand it, then you can walk up to any person and recognize blessing is available to you. You can live the blessed life. The blessed life is not, you know, sipping drinks at the beach. The the blessed life is that you can enter into an interactive relationship with Jesus that changes every circumstance. I've heard good sermons from my favorite preachers about how good it is to recognize your spiritual poverty before God. It is. That's just not what this verse says. Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty. He said, blessed is the person who is spiritually broke." You can almost imagine this. Is you can see Jesus. He's like, you know, this guy has been the demoniac of the village. He's been like running around, acting nuts. And Jesus delivers him. And now he's in his right mind for the first time. And Jesus walks up and puts his arm around and says, blessed are the spiritual basket cases. The people that nobody thought in their family had any kind of hope, blesses is this person because the kingdom of God can even come to them. You can see people like, what? People like that can be blessed? you got to be kidding me. And so Uh, you know they're like Jesus who else and you can the way I'm picturing Jesus is kind of on a roll now (laughs) you know it's like all right you know he's got it going and so the uh, you know and then he says um, he goes up to a widow uh, who and this is just my imagination he goes up to a widow on that day and uh, she's never had children and that day that was uh, that was a big deal to be able to have children and continue the family line and he comes and he uh, brings uh, Peter and John closer and he says listen there's going to be such good news for the widow. And guys, there was not a lot of good news for widows in the ancient Near East. Okay? I mean, her, her sole provision were husband. There wasn't a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs on Shark Tank in the ancient Near East. Okay? Not a lot of businesswomen. And so you can almost say, hey, in my kingdom, these women get actually prized and valued. Wait till you see how we take care of widows in the kingdom. Blessing can actually come to them. Then he goes up and he puts his arm around the widow. And he says, blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are those who, like they've had all hope removed, they're in desperate situations, their life is falling apart. Guys, the blessing wasn't in the condition. The blessing was that even that you're in a mess, you can have an interactive relationship with Jesus that changes every part of your life. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Uh, this comes right. It says, "The meek shall inherit the earth." That comes right out of Psalm thirty-seven eleven. It's the story of the struggle between the meek and the powerful. The meek wasn't like, you know, I've heard it, you know, strength under control. Man, that's a great sermon. It preaches. I think I might have even preached that before. But it's straight out of Psalm 37. It was blessed are those who are powerless. It It was a struggle. But, you know, here they are in Rome, had taken all their land and were making them slaves and making them pay all these crazy taxes. Blessed are you who are being persecuted and overrun and bullied. For you get to inherit the earth. You guys look at me like you're not believing me on this thing. I don't know here. Jesus is not saying, be shy, be timid, be unassertive, then you'll be blessed. He's saying, hey, congratulations, you meek people, because here is the kingdom now. And nobody, not even the powerful and the connected, can keep you out. Good news. Happy are the meek because the kingdom is now available through me. And he goes on. I'm not going to go through all these, but I want you to just get an attitude, get a sense of this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because they haven't got any. Nobody's nominating them to be an elder or deacon at the church. They didn't go to seminary. But now righteousness belongs to them because of the person of Jesus, no matter how messed up they were. Blessed are the merciful. These are the people who have gotten the shaft from somebody. And they couldn't get even. They did not get even. Remember, the blessing is not in the condition. The blessing is that even no matter what messy condition you're in, the kingdom is available to you. You see this really clearly in Luke chapter 6, if you flip with me over to Luke chapter 6. Same situation. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people in a difficult situation. He's explaining about the kingdom. And here's what he says Luke chapter 6, verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples, and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and when they revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, the reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Okay. Let's look at this passage for a second. Let me ask you something. It says that, uh, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Let's say there's a person in a foreign country who worships idols and sacrifices their children Is poor. And is, is poor. Is, um, are they really blessed just because they're poor? You see what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't even make sense if you begin to look at it. Just because you're poor, you're blessed? No, no, no. But there's, but poverty was a curse in the Bible. The blessing was not in the condition um, let's, I mean, and again, it says, woe to the rich. We're going to, have to cover this here in a second. Is a person who loves God and serves God with their wealth and is building wealth for the kingdom and, and affecting regions and families and generations, is that person automatically cursed just because they're poor? You see what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't even make sense when you begin to read it in light of what Jesus is actually saying. It'd be like saying, here's how, you have to understand how Jesus taught. He would take the prevailing thought of the day and then he would flip it on its head. He would take what everyone thought and he would actually say, hey, it's actually the opposite in my kingdom. Remember in uh, Luke 14, people thought the way to climb the social ladder was to get a seat by the head table. And just like, no, no, that's not how it works in the kingdom. Those who humble themselves, those are the ones who get exalted. People are, you can just see them scratching their heads like, what? You're not like promoting yourself on Facebook? To, like, that's not how it works? And so... And Jesus said, "Um, oh, here's how you guys do it. You guys have parties, and you invite people that will improve your social status and that can pay you back. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a party, and I want you to invite the lame and the blind and the poor and the people who can't pay you back. That's the person who's great in my kingdom. Because I'm like, what? Like this, This is not how things go. And he takes what's going on in the earthly kingdom, and he just flips it upside down. He says, this is how it actually works in my kingdom. So when Jesus says, uh, woe to you who are rich, he's giving a completely different view of reality. People in that day, they thought the rich had it made. That's the blessed life. That's the good life, the person who's got servants and land and power and influence. And Jesus says, no, no, that's that's not the person who is the blessed. He says, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. That's the reality. He's overturning it. Like poor people, yeah, they can be rich because the kingdom is now available to them. Blessed are you, you who are hungry. Bless you who are weep now. Blessed are you when people hate you. Jesus is not saying, here's the requirements in order for you to be blessed. You have to be poor, hungry, sad, and hated. I'm just going to take a drink. You guys are quiet today. You guys understand that? I mean, that would be, that would be stinky. If that's what this verse was saying. In order to be blessed, I've got to be poor, hungry, sad, and hated. He did not say, it's a huge blessing to be poor, hungry, sad, and hated. The blessing is not of the condition. The blessing is that the kingdom of God has now become available through Jesus to people that nobody thought could be blessed. The poor, the hungry, the sad, the hated. The people that everybody thought were already blessed, the rich, they're not the blessed ones. If all they have is their riches and they're outside the kingdom, they're cursed. So I want you to think with me for a moment. If Jesus were writing these today, you know, who would be some of those groups of people that he would write to that nobody would think would be blessed? Who are those people that, you know, that in society we would put on that list and say nobody, you know, nobody would think of them as blessed? I wrote a couple here. Blessed are the unemployed. Blessed are those sleeping on the streets. Blessed are the severely overweight. Blessed are those in the inner city feeling hopeless, in danger, and the target of racism. Blessing are those exploited in human trafficking, believing it is better to die than to live. Blessed are those spending every single waking moment thinking about how to get their next heroin fix. Blessed are the children growing up in the homes of Muslim terrorists. Because the kingdom of God is available even to them. Dallas Willard, he, uh, he writes uh, some modern day ones. Blessed are the physically repulsive, blessed are those who smell bad, the twisted, the misshapen, the deformed, the too big, the too little, too loud, the bald, the fat, and the old, for they are all riotously celebrated in the party of Jesus. And Dallas moves on to some more serious ones. He says, blessed are the flunk outs and dropouts and burned outs, the broke and the broken, the drug heads and the divorced, the HIV positive and the herpes ridden, The brain damaged, the incurably ill, the barren and the pregnant many times are at the wrong time, the overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable, the swindled, shoved aside, the replaced, the parents with children living on the street, the children with parents not dying in the rest home, the lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, the emotionally starved are emotionally dead. This is good news, guys. Regardless of bad genes, bad health, bad choices, or bad circumstances, you have not missed your chance. The kingdom of God is here now available for the person of Jesus, and you can live in it if you want to. You may be thinking, well, what about people who aren't in that category? What about the well-off and the well-fed and the well-managed and the well-spoken of? Well, of course the kingdom is available to them, too. The kingdom is available to anybody. But Jesus does give this warning in Luke 6. Let's read it in verse 24 through 26. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. People in that other category, the well-off, the well-fed, the well-managed, the well-spoken of, they can... There's a danger in Christian churches, and especially churches like ours that believe that God wants you to have an abundant life, there's a danger we can begin to think that that well-managed, well-dressed, well-manicured lawns, that is the blessed life. We can begin to be deceived into thinking this is the mark of, of God's approval and God's goodness, and what can happen is we can begin to gravitate towards that, and we can unintentionally put up a sign, you're not welcome here if you don't look like this. Jesus says to you, woe, cursed. If that's how you think is the good life, woe to you. That's outside the kingdom. And so what can happen in a church is instead of being a welcoming family of Jesus lovers, they form a kind of little club for elite people. And people who don't have a well-managed, well-financed, well-thought-of, well-dressed life, they look at that and they say, I could never belong to that club. But here's the message of the kingdom. Everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything is possible. Everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything is possible. Say that with me. Everybody's welcome, welcome. nobody's perfect, perfect. anything is possible. possible. So who's well off? Who's living the blessed life? Well, me. Not because I have it all together, because I don't but because Jesus came for me and I can live in an interactive relationship on a day-by-day basis and I'm continually blown away by his goodness towards this goofball. You know who else is blessed? You. Not because you have abundant resources, education, and good looks, because the kingdom of God is available through reliance in the person of Jesus and you can live in that if you want to. People think that they're in these categories that Jesus talked about that aren't blessed, but this is where the gospel gets real. Is because if it, you have, can, with complete confidence, recognize you can walk up to that person and say, blessed are you because the kingdom of God is available to you. So here's what I want us to do here for a second, um, because I think you can see the Beatitudes take on a whole different meaning when they realize they're actually a declaration of who is welcome in the kingdom of God. And uh, I want you to think of someone who needs this good news right now. Somebody who's maybe in one of these categories that we've talked about. I mentioned some contemporary examples of people who would be called blessed today. But I want you to take a moment. I want you to, you can either write it down or just in your mind, because I want us to pray for this person. And write your own beatitude. Blessed are the blank. Maybe you've got a person in mind. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a people group, you know, like like girls coming in human trafficking, something like that. Blessed are the blank. For as they walk in the presence of the kingdom, blank. So just take a moment and just, uh, just allow the Lord to stir up something in your heart. And uh, so let's take about 30 seconds on that. You can write it down or just get it in your mind. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to share your beatitude, or you can just share that unblessable situation with your neighbor. And I want you to just take a few seconds and just pray. And um, if, if one of you is not an extrovert and this uh, freaks you out, uh, just tell the person, hey, you, you just do the praying. And so between the two of you, someone should pray. All right. So, um, but uh, introduce yourself if you need to, if you, if you need to get in threes or whatever. I just want you to just take a few moments on this. But uh, share your beatitude, and then I want you to pray for the person, then switch. Switch if you're sitting next to an extrovert and they've been talking the whole time. All right, let's take about another 10 seconds. All right, let's make it a little more personal here. And so you don't have to talk to anybody. This one's just for you, okay? You're not going to be sharing this one. But um, what's one situation in your life where you need to expect and call for the presence of God and enter more into his kingdom life? Okay, where's that area where, God, I need your presence and your power to flood into it? So what I want you to do is I want you to just uh, pray for yourself. Make a declaration over yourself that the kingdom is available. Guys, just so you know, there's never a verse in the Bible that says, and Jesus was nervous. (laughs) And Jesus was stumped and had no idea what to do. And there was an emergency meeting of the Trinity in the heaven, and they were biting their nails, and, like, it's good up there. Here's what you need to recognize. In the kingdom, there's always a solution. When Mary and I have a difficult thing, one of us will probably, you know, you hear us say out loud, there's always a solution. And so whatever you're facing right now, I want you to just take and just say, God, I just thank you that your presence and your power is available. And I'm going to teach you how to step into that in just a second. But right now, I want you to just begin to declare it and just raise that expectation. And maybe you've been doing it in your own strength, and this is your opportunity to step out of the flesh and into the spirit. So God, I'm sorry for doing it in my own strength, but I recognize you're available in this next moment to help me. So Just take a moment for that. Oh, we pray for that baby's lungs. They're gonna have a sore throat from all that. We, and we pray of peace for the mom who's sitting in there with him, or dad. I don't know how it works in there. So that the nursing's mom room it's probably the mom in there. So let me show you how to step into this. Remember, the kingdom of God is always available. You are you are a walking Jacob's ladder, with access to the supernatural anytime. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to get in the mood. So here's how you enter into that blessed life. The next issue that you confront in your life, call upon God and expect him to intervene. Have you guys ever, uh, I, I've heard this illustration a lot here, but have you ever lost the remote control in your house? Hmm. That's like DEFCON 1 or 5-5, which everyone's the best, the most important one. I think it's DEFCON 1, you know, what do you do? You look for it everywhere. Everything else stops. That's how you enter into the kingdom of God. That's how you seek first the kingdom as you look for it everywhere. And so let's say you're a plumber and you've got an issue with a pipe. It's never just you and the pipe. So I invoke his presence. God, I recognize that you're here with me. And I'm now expecting you to act. Remember, the kingdom of God's is a lot like power steering. I act and he acts with me. So I got this situation, and so now uh, I've invoked him, and I'm expecting him to act. He may speak to me through the radio, a newspaper, an angel, a prophetic word, a Bible verse. I'm expecting him to give me wisdom. I'm counting that when I act, it's not going to just be me. I'm going to have wisdom with this pipe, with this spreadsheet, whatever it might be. That's it. You step into it. I act, and I expect him to act. and 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 when I look back over the situation, the results are better than I could have come up with my human strength. And you can live in that in the next moment, whether you're washing the dishes, trying to have patience with a two-year-old, or solving uh, information system program, problems in China. So that was a specific word. There's that one. <laughs> if you approach the kingdom of God at that level, you will find it. It may not be what you thought it was going to be, but you will find it. And the kingdom has a way of taking over and teaching you as you go from there. See, the kingdom of God is reality. It's what you run into when you're not trying. And what you find out, guys, is you begin to... It says the truth... Actually, the Bible does not... I'm going to close with this. You guys ready? The Bible does not say the truth will set you free. It says, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here's the idea is I'm putting Jesus' words into practice. I'm acting, I'm expecting him, I'm invoking his presence, and when I see that it works, the truth of that reality sets me free. The kingdom of God has a way of teaching you. You're you're learning with this thing, you're putting it into practice, you're seeing it works, and you know what that's called? It's called being a disciple. I'm learning from Jesus how to do life with him as if he were in my place. That's the kingdom of God. That's the good news that we get to live in. So the next difficult situation you walk in, uh, walk into, it may be uh, trying to get out of the parking lot here. It may be uh, whatever it might be. Just invoke his presence. Expect him to act with you. And when he gives you a prompting, go with that. Are we good? All right. So uh, I, I kind of need to do two, two closings here. Number one, if you are here and you do not know Jesus, you have never trusted Jesus And uh, I'm not talking about believing facts about him. I'm not talking if you were sprinkled with water at a time in your life. I'm talking about have you put your confidence in him, and you're saying, Jesus, I want as much of you in my life as possible. I'm a student of yours. I'm learning from you how to be like you. Jesus, I'm trusting you not just with my afterlife, but with my actual life. If you've never done that, I'd like to just give you an opportunity here real quick. And so is there anyone in here uh, with every head up, everyone looking around, every eye open? You say, Jim, why do you do it like that? Well, Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And so this is just uh, every person in here has had a time where they have had to publicly declare through baptism or something else that uh, Jesus is Lord. And so if you're here today and you do not know Jesus, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond. And so would you just raise your hand boldly and say, that's me. I want to step into the kingdom. I want to – everyone always scratches their ears at this point and totally fakes me out. And so is that you? Is anybody in here? you say, yeah, this is it. I want to I step into this. Anybody in here? If you did not raise your hand, but you wish you would have, our teens would love to pray for you at the end of service here. And the second closing, I need to do this. So if I can have Josh Richter and Kate uh, come on up here. Angela, if you can come on up here. All right, let's welcome them. You, can, you guys can clap. You guys can clap. <laughs> I see Kate with the baby? was that your baby who was screaming? I hope, I hope not. All right. Yeah. So so hey, we okay, whenever she gets here, we'll uh, we'll include her in the prayer here. And so you know, this is uh, you know, one of the things about life is there's transitions and it's tough. And so Josh and Kate came to Mary and I about a year ago and said they were sensing a transition. Um they had prophetic words, they had dreams. Uh, we try to interpret those dreams. We're trying to just walk through this thing together. They've had job offers from other churches just to feel like that was, uh, that was the right things at the time. And so they are actually going to be transitioning out as children's pastors here at Zion. Uh, they're still going to be in the area here. We still love them. Everything's good. And um, hey, Kate, was that her screaming? No, I Okay. <laughs> yeah. Children's pastor can't keep her kid quiet here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It doesn't matter what your title is. Kids are gonna do what the kids are gonna do, right? And so, um, so we just want to be, a, we just want to bless them. And uh, but we also want to pray for Angela. This is Angela Locke, and so she's gonna be taking the lead role. I forget what title it is. It sounds really cool, but she's gonna be taking the lead role, lean role for the children's and Master of Divinity for children. Yeah, that's a, wow. That's better than what I had. Yeah, chill pastor. Chill pastor? I like that. That's good. All right. And so uh, we are going to have a reception for the Richters next week. So if you want to bring cards, bring love, uh, whatever you want to bring, we want to be a blessing to them. We'll have the reception uh, next week after church, and I will post it on the Facebook to help remind you. But we, uh, we love this group. They have, they have created a culture in our children's ministry of excellence, of, uh, of the supernatural, of expectation. And so um, we are, uh, we are, we are going to miss you guys. But thanks for... Thanks for creating something that we can build on. And so you guys, they pastor other children's pastors. I mean, they're, the things they do, they're in uh, lots of churches in the region. So these, they are all stars. And so we, um, we will miss you guys, but we're glad we're, you're still going to be in our lives. And oh, my gosh. I mean, come on. Is this just, I mean, wow. So if you guys could just stretch your hands out there. Hey, staff, if we can just get up here, and let's just be a blessing. Then we want to welcome them in. She needs a mic. That's what she needs. She's ready for it. She is gorgeous. Lord, we thank you for Josh and Kate. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your will, even when it's not as clear as we'd like it to be. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing on Josh and Kate. Lord, that everything they put their hand to would prosper. Lord, I thank you for the the creativity, the wisdom, uh, the the curriculum, the heart for homeschool. God, bless that. I pray that you would bless them financially, that you would bless them relationally, that you would bless them in every area, extend their influence, lengthen their tent pegs, So we bless you. We bless the two boys. We bless little Willow. Lord, we pray for clarity. Pray for next steps. But Lord, we just pray your weighty presence on every and every step. And Lord, I thank you that they are in the kingdom of heaven and they are blessed. Lord, we pray for Angela that you'd give her wisdom, that you'd give her favor, that uh, you'd uh, help her to continue to build the team to serve the champions that you're raising up in the house of Zion. We love you, Lord. Amen. Yes. Don't forget, next week cards, love, deeds to houses, whatever you guys have got, we would do uh, So, if you guys could stand, and um, our ministry teams are coming.